0: I feel the Holy Ghost in here tonight. I tried to sing you enough where y'all didn't have to preach tonight. I tried, and I, but y'all just wouldn't have it. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm so honored to stand here tonight. Honored to serve this church that I've been in all my life. And uh, many of you have watched me grow up. And don't hold that against me, please. I'm not that same person. I may act like it, but I've been changed. I love this church. I love you so much. I do want to say what an honor it is to have my friend Dion here tonight. Appreciate his friendship more than he'll ever know. If you know you heard us talk to each other a little bit, you would think we don't like each other. I seem to have that effect on people. We talked about that in the car today. Cheryl said, You just need to be nice. And I said, What do you mean? I'm nice. And she gave me that look that says, No, no, you're not. But I'm glad to have him tonight. Yeah, I, was at the off- I was here in the, the church last night, and uh, he sent me a very familiar text something like, Where are you? I'm going to come by and throat punch you, <laughs> which was a joke. I, I certainly hope so and uh, he said he said what are you doing I said I'm at church study and he said you preaching tomorrow and I said yes I am and he said okay and uh, didn't think much about it and he texted me today he said you still preaching tonight and I said yes I am he said okay and he come walking in the door and I'm honored to have him here tonight honored that you are here tonight but most of all I'm honored that the Lord is here we have felt him in his in our worship, the Bible says that He inhabits the praises of His people. We have gathered here tonight. We have worshiped and we have praised. And one thing that we know for sure, that God is in the house. It's evident in your worship tonight. It's evident in what I feel here tonight. It's evident what in what God is doing in our midst tonight. He is here. And I do want to say before I get into my text, I will be taking you to the book of Mark chapter 2. You can be turning there, but I do know that I have heard from the Lord and I have come. I'm just letting you know tonight that I have come with expectancy that God is going to do something in this house. I don't know if it's still yet to come. I believe it's still yet to come, but I believe that in this prayer service that we had just a few moments ago, I believe that we're going to hear reports of miracles. I believe that God has done the miraculous already in this house, but I don't believe that God is done with us. I don't believe that God has spoken to my spirit what He has spoken into my spirit for us to be done with what He has already done here tonight. And I believe that God is going to do something great. If you believe that, shout Amen. Very lengthy, kind of a lengthy reading. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 down through verse number 12. The Bible says, and again He entered, Jesus into Capernaum after some days. And it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. They knew that Jesus was in the house. They had heard of the miracles that have taken place and they come to see this man. But such a great multitude came that the house could not contain them all could not hold them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, everybody said when they tore the roof off, When they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. You talk about faith. And when Jesus saw their faith, He said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sin be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. How many know that any time that God does something, there will always be a wet blanket? We don't have to worry about things getting into, out of control because somebody's going to be there to try to put the fire out. Well, you know it's true. And they said, why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed, and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on the earth to forgive sin, and he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And verse 12, and immediately, it wasn't no uh, momentary thing, it wasn't something that happened the next day or the next hour or the next moment, but immediately, he rose, he took up his bed, and he went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed And glorified God saying, we never saw it on this fashion. There was an expectancy in the heart of those men that caused them to do something that had never been done before. And with the help of the Lord, I want to preach to you for the next few moments on this subject, the power of expectation the power of expectation. I want you to turn to your neighbor. I want you to look him in the eye and I want you to tell them with all the faith that you can muster, I'm expecting God to do the miraculous in this house tonight. Turn to somebody else and say, say, I expect God to do the miraculous in your life tonight. Lord, we've worshipped you we have glorified you. We fill you in this house. God, now by the authority of your word and by the power of your name, God, I pray that before we leave this place tonight, that a mighty demonstration of your power would take place. God, let there be miracles, signs, and wonders. Let there be healings that take place in this house. Let someone be delivered. Let somebody receive the gift of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus Christ. Now clap your hands and give Him praise. You may be seated. I want to say that we are lucky to be a generation who has the Bible which is filled with stories and accounts both in the Old and the New Testaments that can build our faith in a very powerful way. When when we hear the preached Word of the Lord, when we hear the preached Word of God, it ought to spark and build our faith in all that hear the preached Word of the Lord. Imagine with me, if you will, that you were living in the Bible days instead of just reading about the Bible days. Imagine that you were living in the days when and where every experience was a firsthand experience. Imagine if you were the one of the children of Israel. And you were standing at the edge of the Red Sea, hearing the hoof, the hoofbeats of the chariots of Pharaoh's army coming up behind you, ready to take you back into captivity. You look all around you. You look to the right and you look to the left. but all you, for, for any kind of a way out, but all you see on every side are mountains and there is no way of escape for you. You look around and you see the mountains and you look before you and you see the impossible task of the Red Sea that just waits for you waits to swallow you up it just waits inviting you to step in to snuff your very life from you But there but they knew that at any moment it was over for them You would be complaining you would be murmuring, you'd be doubtful, you'd be fearful, you'd be worried, you'd be upset. And that is the very thing that we find the children of Israel doing. And we often read the account and we say things like, they should have just believed and trusted in God. And we say that because we're reading about something that we're not living You see, when you are the first to go through an experience, when you are the first to go through a situation, it shakes you at your very foundation because you don't know how and you don't know where or you don't know when God is going to deliver you. And the reason is simply because the story has not yet been written. We, we, uh, We all, we've heard, we have all kinds of stories contained within the 66 books that make up this Bible that we can look to as the very foundation that we can build our faith upon. But we are living, hear me, we are living in a time that is unlike any time that we have ever read about in the Scriptures. It is a time of great challenge. It is a time of great tests. It's a time of great and very real struggles. And some of the things that you and I are facing today... We can't necessarily find a Scripture in the Word of God that exactly fits what we may be going through right now. We search frantically, hoping for an answer, hoping that somebody somewhere down the line has been where we're at, and they have faced what we are facing, and we're hoping just to find a Scripture that lets us know that everything's going to work out, that everything's going to be just fine for us and and it is for that very reason that I am glad that God isn't through performing miracles he's not just here to do encores to the things that we have read about but God will do something that you have never read about that you have never heard about he is here to do something that you have no reference point to something that that you can't say well bless me God like so and so You, you won't be able to say that because what you are dealing with and what I am dealing with is so unique to our situation and we don't necessarily know what to ask God for. Sometimes we go through it and we want an answer and we pray God would you just work it out would you, you know how we do. We boss God around. We say, God, if you'll just do it like this, if you'll just do it like I want you to do it, then everything will be all right. But how many know that sometimes we go through things that we have never faced before and we can't find a precedent that has ever been set for what we are going through. And sometimes we pray to God and we don't know what to ask him for, but all we can say is, God, I know need you to show up in my situation. And God, I don't know what I need you to do, but I need you desperately to do something in my life. Romans 8, 6 says it like this, for we know what we should pray for as we ought. But we sometimes simply say, God, I don't know what to ask you to do about my situation. But I gotta have you step in and I have to have you do something. Do what you want to, God. I don't really care at this point because you are working all things out together for my good. I need you and your and I need your will now more than I've ever needed it before. And I and I need you and I expect you to do something miraculous in my situation. You see, expectation is simply a strong belief that something, everybody say something, that something will happen or be the case in the future. You see, expectation causes our faith level to rise. That's why when we come into this place, that's why when we fast, in the first part of the year. That's why our faith level is so high because we come into this place and we have expectation that we necessarily may not have in the fall time, in the winter time. But we fast and we pray and we seek the face of God. We get our nose in this Word and we read account after account where God delivered, where God healed, where God worked an impossible situation out. And our faith level begins to rise because we have expectation that when we come into His presence and that when we have expectation that when we pray and we call upon the name of the Lord that miracles, signs, and wonders will take place. We expect it. We expect it to happen. Expectation says that I am shocked When I lay my hand on someone who is sick and they don't receive their healing. Expectation causes us to be shocked When we pray for someone to receive the Holy Ghost and we lay hands upon them and we call upon the authority of the Word of God and the power of the name of Jesus and we declare, receive ye the gift of the Holy Ghost. Expectation causes us to be shocked if they leave this place not having received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why is that? Because we expect it. That's because our faith level is so high. Why is it so high? Because we're seeking the face of God. And we have seen miracles that have taken place in our midst. We've seen the, we've seen the dead raised. We've seen cancer healed. We've seen, we've seen the, uh, deaf ears that have been opened in the ministry of this church. So we expect God to do the miraculous when we pray and we call upon the name of the Lord expect and we're shocked when it doesn't happen. We are shocked when healing doesn't take place. We are shocked when deliverance doesn't take place. We are shocked when someone doesn't receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, but I came here tonight to tell you, and I stand with all the faith that I can muster because I have heard from God in that office last night when God began to deal with me, when God began to take what I was preparing and what I thought that He wanted me to speak. When that phone call came to me about eleven o'clock last night, and and somebody just said, "Hey, I want to talk to you. I want to speak some things into your life." And they begin to speak to me, and God begin to deal with me, and God begin to, to challenge me, and God began to take what I had put together and begin to just mess it all up and say, nah, That's not what I want you to preach tonight. But I want you to go and I want you to stand before my people, and I want you to tell them that there is power in their expectation, there is power that can overcome any situation. There is power. That can overcome any sickness. There is power that can overcome any demon in hell. And so I stand before you tonight and I say that I have faith enough to believe that somebody is going to receive their healing tonight. I believe that somebody is going to be delivered from the chains that have had you bound. And I believe that God is going to work in someone's situation. You've come here and you're at the end of your rope and you don't know what to do, but God is about to step in on the scene and He's about to do a work in your life would somebody clap your hands to the Lord we read in our text of these men who brought the one who was sick of the palsy the Bible tells us and we read of it already that the press the multitude was so great it was too great that they could not enter into the house where Jesus was Jesus was in Capernaum and when news spread, so many came to hear Him that the house could not contain them. The Bible says that these men brought one who was sick of the palsy. One who had been stricken in his body. He had been relegated to a cot, having to rely on others to carry him around. He was not mobile. He could not get up and he could not walk like you and I can walk. He had a hard time doing anything for himself and he had to rely on the goodness and the kindness of others to take him everywhere that he needed to go. But what caused these men to pick up that bed and to try to get to where Jesus was? Why would they bother themselves? Why would they take their time to try to get this man to where Jesus? And the answer is simply that they expected Jesus to heal their friend. And because of their expectation, they were willing to do whatever it took to get their friend to where Jesus was. I want to tell somebody tonight that that I want to ask you rather tonight, what are you willing to do? How far are you willing to go? How far will your expectation take you? The expectation of that group of men completely altered the life of the world one that was brought to Jesus They could have they could have carried him to the door They could have looked at the multitude and said there's no use They could have looked they could have looked at all the people that were gathered at that place and said we're not we're not wasting our time we will never be able to get him to where he needs to go But expectation caused their faith level to rise. And they were willing to do something that others thought was crazy. They were willing to go however far they would have to go. They were willing to go to whatever uh, means were necessary to get that man to where Jesus is. And the Bible tells us that they carried that man to the top of that house and they uncovered the roof where Jesus was or they removed part of the roof or they removed the tiles of the roof. They disassembled a section of the roof of the house. But listen to me tonight. What I want to tell you is to receive, in order to receive what you have never gotten, you have to be willing to do something that you have never done. You have to be willing to go farther than you have ever gone. You have to be willing to do something that others might ridicule you for. Others may point their finger and say, look at that man. He's crazy. No, it's not crazy. It's expectation that causes me to do what others might not do this week uh, well last sunday and i'll tell you this for a reason last sunday i was standing down here and pastor preached such a wonderful message I think we ought to thank him for the message that we heard last Sunday. (laughs) Pastor preached, and I was convicted in my heart. I sat through that message not knowing what to do, not knowing how to act, not knowing what God wanted to do. But I felt that there was a giving spirit in the house. And I turned to my wife, and I said, Babe, we're going to give tonight. And she said, to what? I said, to whatever it needs to be. I, we're going to write a check and we're going to give. And I was weeping as I turned to her. And uh, I, I turned when I, when I turned, I, I saw that she was weeping too. And so we stepped out on faith. Not to, I'm not telling you to pat myself on the back tonight, but we stepped out in faith and we gave, we gave according to what God was dealing with us about. And I wrote the check and I laid it on the altar and I saw that several others did the same. And I want to tell you that I gave not expecting to get anything in return. I gave because I felt like God was telling me to give. And I, think, I thought God was challenging me. I thought God was challenging me to find out how far I would go. All right. My wife could have looked at me and said, you're crazy. And I didn't care. I felt that God. She did not, but I felt that God was dealing with me. So we gave, and I never gave another thought about it. And it happened the next day. Many of you know our situation that we had. We had a, a four wheeler stolen. It was not a not necessarily a big deal to anybody else, but it was a big deal to me. It was paid for. I paid for that thing, and somebody else decided that that was theirs. I was angry. I was some God, you get somebody. Whatever, you let them be riding up that four-wheeler down the road and let a lightning bolt. No, I didn't pray that. I felt like it. But I gave, and I never really thought anything else about it. We went home, and I went to bed. I got up the next morning, and uh, I was working at the campus, and I come walking around the corner in Gentry, in gentry fashion. He's walking towards me. And he's shaking his head. I'm like, what's up, dude? He said, dude, you're never going to believe it. I said, try me. He said, they just found your four-wheeler. I said, you are a liar. I said, no way. He said, yes. They just called. They found. Listen, that may not be a big deal for somebody else, but that lets me know that when we are willing to give, God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Come on, somebody. I heard a story, and I'm not going to name their name. I don't want to embarrass them tonight. But I heard a story of a couple weeks ago. Somebody gave sacrificially. Somebody gave something that was quite a sacrifice for them that would affect them greatly. And they gave it to the work of the Lord. And just a couple days later, they received a check in the mail that was worth four times... Four times what they were willing to give. You can't outgive God. You can't give so much that God won't go ahead and bless you with more than you ever gave. So, to top it off, I thought that was a pretty good week. I thought that was, I, I was good with that. That, that four wheeler was worth far more than what I gave. In the offering that night, but fast forward a couple days, in a situation that Cheryl and I are facing, and we thought, well, it's something that we need to do. But it's a it's a it's a lot of money. It's a lot. Of, it's something that it's gonna it's gonna tax us. It's something that's gonna be a stretch for us. But we, it's something that we've got to do. You know what, Brother Duggar? I got a phone call. Uh, uh, just a couple days later of someone that said, listen, I know this is something that needs to be done around around here and I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to step in and I'm going to bless and I'm going to give you what you need for far less than what you thought that you would have to pay. Don't tell me that God doesn't work miracles. Don't tell me that God doesn't far exceed our expectations. I didn't give because I wanted back from God. But God, when we give, when we step out in faith, God said, I see your expectation. I see your faith. And I'm going to go ahead and step in and move in your situation. Sometimes we just got to do something that we've never done before. 1 Samuel 17, we read the account of David and Goliath. We all know the story well. Saul and the men of Israel gathered to battle the Philistines in the valley of Elah. The Philistines there in that battle sent out their champion, sent out Goliath, and the Bible calls him a giant. I've heard many, I've read many things that conflict, but the best I could tell, Goliath was somewhere around nine foot tall. Could you imagine standing on battle or standing on the battlefield and someone about five times your size come walking out with boxing gloves on, ready to punch you right in the face? Can you imagine what they felt like when Goliath, Steps out across that valley and he begins to say, Who will fight me? Who will go to battle with me? Saul, the Bible tells us that Saul and the men of Israel were afraid as Goliath stood there taunting them and agging them on. After all, he was a giant. So Jesse sends... His youngest son, David, to the battlefield to take food to his older brothers that were supposed to be on the battlefield. but David finds them hiding in a tent somewhere. So David steps out into the Israelite camp. and he's looking for his brothers everywhere. He's got food. He's on a mission. His dad sent him with food for his brothers. But as he is looking, he hears the voice of someone in the valley. And he hears that giant of a man as he begins to degrade the Israelites, as he begins to taunt them, as he begins to make fun of them, as he begins to degrade their God. And something arose in David. Something fierce arose in that lad of a boy. Jesse had just sent his son to take lunch to his brothers. But now, David stands in the Israelite camp and he hears the voice of that Philistine giant And he begins to ask, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You see, David never referred to Goliath as a giant. He never said, who is that enormous man standing just on the other side of the valley? No, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? David said, if nobody else will fight him, if my brothers, who are much older and much bigger than I, if all the men of Israel, the armies of Israel, will hide and not fight him, then I will fight Goliath. David said, I am willing to go. But what I want to tell you tonight, that what David was about to do was unprecedented. He knew that he was man on his own. David knew that he could never conquer the giant on his own. But there was expectation in the heart of David That caused him to totally expect the giant to fall when he stepped onto the battlefield. This wouldn't, however, be the first time that giants had been defeated. You see, in Numbers 14, 12 men were sent out to spy the land of Canaan and search the land. That God had promised to the Israelites. You know the story. And they brought back the report. We can't take the land. They are stronger than we. It is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And there, oh yeah, and there are giants in the land. And they go on to describe how they felt. They said, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight too. But Joshua and Caleb, the only two out of the twelve, said, when the others said it's impossible, they came back and said, it is an exceeding good land. It is the land that flows with milk and honey. Rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye. And then they go on to say this, the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Ten said that we can't take the land. But two had expectation that if they could just convince, if they could just convince or push or prod someone that would step out in faith and said, I'll go and fight. They knew that if they were to walk in the land, that they were well able to possess the land that God had promised them. And because of their faith, because of their expectation, Joshua and Caleb were the only two adult males that God allowed to enter into the promised land. Battles ensued. And the inhabitants of the land and the giants of the land were defeated all because of the expectation of two men. What would happen if about 150 people that were gathered in this place would reunite their faith and come and say, I'm expecting for God to do the miraculous. What would happen if we united together for those that were sick among us and say, I'm going to lay hands on them and I expect them." to receive their healing. What would happen if about 150 people here tonight would unite in faith and say we are going to build a church in this city and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There is power in our expectations. Fast forward 40 years. In Joshua chapter 14, you see, Caleb was 40 years old when Moses sent him out as a spy. And now in Joshua 14, rather, he was 45 years old. Now in Joshua chapter 14, Caleb is now 85 years old. And he stood on the Mount Hebron and he said, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. You talk about faith. You talk about expectation. There is no finer example of faith and expectation as there is the 85-year-old Caleb who stands on the Mount of Hebron that, by the way, is full of giants. And he said, I am as strong this day as I was when Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war both to go out and to come in. He said, I shall be able to defeat the the Anakims and drive them out as the Lord has said. You see, Caleb at 85 years of age took a mountain that God had promised him as an inheritance. He took a mountain that was full of giants because giants were in the bloodline of the Anakims. And he stood on that mountain at 85 years of age as he is waxing old in age as his vision is getting dimmer and dimmer by the minute. And he said, just like I did 40 years ago, 45 years ago when Moses sent me out to to spy out the land and the faith that I had back then I had the same expectation because just like God gave us the land of Canaan God is going to give me this mountain God's going to give me this mountain and 85 year old Caleb stood on that mountain At the base of that mountain. And he began to walk up the mountain. And he encountered giants. And every giant that he encountered, he defeated at the age of 85. Why? Was he as strong as he was 40 years prior? Probably not. Did he have the same eyesight that he did when Moses sent him to spy out Canaan? Probably not. Was he in the best of shape? Just like he was 40 years prior? Probably not. But there was an expectation that arose in Caleb. And he said, I may not be to everyone else as strong as I used to be, as young as I used to be, or as nimble as I used to be. But through my expectation and through my faith, I am as strong today as I was then. And the same giants that I was able to feed back then... I can surely defeat today. You see Caleb wanted that mountain because he wanted to give that mountain to his daughters. And would he give a mountain to his daughters that were full of giants? But he killed the giants in the mountain. Something very interesting. I, talk, I, I, was, I, was, I was just blown away when I read this account of Caleb. And I began to do some research and I, I looked up the name Caleb and what the meaning was. And guess what it is? The meaning of Caleb is simply mad dog. how big of an old boy are you mad dog tenacious spirit of a dog that just won't let go I will he said I will latch on And I will not let go. You won't take this from me, giant. But I'm going to take this from you. Somebody tonight needs to stand up in this house in the middle of your situation and declare to the enemy, you won't take this from me. But enemy, I've come to serve you notice. I'm about to take it from you. You will not defeat me, but I will defeat you. spirit of the dog that just wouldn't let go and so we go back to David the account of David and Saul when Caleb at 85 years old is willing to fight a mountain full of giants and we read of Saul cowering because of one giant but you see David, a lad, could step out on that battlefield and face a giant because of an 85 year old man who wasn't afraid of a giant. He wasn't afraid of one giant. He wasn't afraid of a multitude of giants. He wasn't afraid of a land that was full of giants. He wasn't afraid of a mountain that was full of giants that he wanted to give to his daughters for an inheritance. So it cost him to be real to be willing to go and fight and to slay the giants. David! David fought that Giant Goliath, because of the precedent that had been set. Because of the precedent that Caleb set. David set his own precedent. And from that moment on, David's nephews, the next generation, were known as as giant killers. All because a lad was willing to fight a giant that nobody else would fight. He was willing to fight a giant that grown men were cowered in a corner of a tent somewhere, not wanting to show their face, not wanting to talk out loud because they thought that Goliath might hear them and come after them. But David, something arose in David and there was an expectation and he said, but I I can't defeat this giant on my own but I know that when I go before him that the Lord will go with me and the Lord will fight my battles for me. I may just have a slingshot and five little stones, but when I release that stone, God is going to direct that stone to hit my enemy right between the eyes. Oh, next generation it was a generation of giant killers because of the precedent that David set. Listen to me tonight. The precedent that you set, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, young person, the precedent that you set today will affect the next generation. If you cower... At the first sign of the enemy? If you turn and hightail it at the first sign of trouble, guess what? The next generation will follow your example. You want to raise a generation of giant killers? Then you've got to be willing to fight some giants to you want to raise a powerful generation in the Spirit, then you better be powerful in the Spirit. You better spend some time fasting. You better spend some time praying. If you are ever going to raise a generation of giant killers, you want them to kill them, then you have to set a precedent for them, an example for them that when they are facing That giant. When we are old and gone off the scene. And they're facing that giant. they are going to remember, Brother Jerry. I had a mom and I had a dad. I had a grandma and grandpa. When I don't know what else to do. I know I just pray because I had a grandma. Listen, I had a a four foot eleven German great grandmother. That any time there was trouble, mom would call and she'd say, Grandma Paymer, I need you to pray. You've heard the story. I need you to pray. And grandma wouldn't just tickle her ears and give her what she thought she wanted to hear. She said, Cindy, in very broken English, she said, Cindy, you hang up, I go pray now. And she would lock herself away in a bedroom in Barberton, Ohio, for hours on end, praying for her family. Why did she do that? Because she was setting a precedent. She was setting a precedent for my mom that would not only affect her generation, but would affect our generation. Because now I know that when I need God to do something, I need to go find a a prayer closet. And I need to lock myself away. And I need to pray until I hear from God. Her precedent, her example affected my generation. And her precedent will affect his generation because he'll know that any time that we face a situation, my mom and dad would pray so i got to look at it like this i'm raising a generation of giant killers i'm raising a generation that I hope is way more powerful than I ever thought about being. I hope there's a greater anointing in his generation than there ever was in my generation. Why is that? He's going to face giants just like I face. Yes, but the giants of the next generation just may be bigger and stronger than the giants that I face in my generation. So we've got to equip. We've got to set a precedent. That others will follow. I'm hurrying tonight. Mark chapter 7 tells us about a Syrophoenician woman. The Bible said that her daughter had an unclean spirit. The mother, this mother, the Syrophoenician woman, heard of Jesus and she came. The Bible says that she fell at his feet. Her daughter was tormented by a devil, and the mom didn't know what to do. So she found this man named Jesus and she fell at his feet. You see, what's interesting about this account is that her culture was very different from Jesus' culture. Her culture was not like the culture of the Jews because the Jews had one God. They had one God. But her culture had a God for everything. They had a God for everything possible. And her people looked down on the Jews Like they were dogs. They were ignorant and they were stupid because they didn't have many gods like my people have. They only have one God. And so her culture was very different than the culture of the Jews. That's why it's so very interesting that she would have The kind of encounter with Jesus that she had. Very interesting that she would lower herself to fall at the feet of a Jew. Why did she do that? Because somewhere she got a revelation. Somewhere she realized that there is something to this man, Jesus. There's something to this fact that these Jews have one God. I hear I have a God for everything. And I can't do anything to help my daughter. But this man who has one God. He, he is doing all sorts of miracles. He is laying hands on the sick. And they're being healed. Blinded eyes are being opened. And deaf ears are being unstopped. And she knew that this was the Messiah. So she falls at his feet. She expected her daughter to be healed or she never would have fallen at his feet. She besought him to cast out the devil out of his daughter. Jesus said unto her, listen to his response. He chides her a little bit or maybe gets a little dig in When he said, let the children first be filled. For is it not meet to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs? She could have gotten offended at Jesus. She could have been offended by the words that he spoke, but she didn't. But she answered, she said, yes, Lord. Yes, that is true. But the dogs under the table are able to eat of the children's crumbs when they fall to the floor. She, she recognized him for who he was. She understood who he was. And she did not, she did not cower away from him. But she did her homework and she realized the man that she stood before that day. And what I want to tell you is not only did her daughter receive deliverance that day, but that woman received a revelation of who Jesus was and what He could do in a life. She received a revelation of what God could do in a possible situation. I want to tell somebody tonight that you have got to receive a revelation of who God is, who Jesus is, and what he can do in your life. Listen, there is, there, when you have an encounter with Jesus, it will bring forth revelation. You can't help but get You can't help but be changed. You won't talk the same. You won't act the same. You won't think the same. But you will be a new creature. One more account. Matthew chapter 9. Actually, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record. Story of a woman with an issue of blood. She had an issue for 12 years. She had gone, had been to every doctor. She had spent everything that she had. And the Bible says she grew none the better, but she had grown worse. She had exhausted all of her possibilities. But there was this man named Jesus. She knew that if she could get to him, that she would receive her healing. What caused her to be willing to risk her life? Because I believe that she risked her life to press through a multitude. She could have been trampled. She could have had her life taken for her. But she heard maybe the prophecy from old Malachi in Malachi chapter 4 and 2 when Malachi spoke these words but unto you that fear my name, shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. Simply being translated, that he would arise and that he would have healing in his hymn. All she had was a word from God. All she had was a prophecy from old Malachi that was before her time, but it was the word that she needed, and she clung to it. She had a word from God, and she had a promise from God. She didn't have a precedent, though, but she had a promise. She activated that promise. Listen. If you sit on your promise and you never activate it, if God has given you a word and he has given you a promise and you take that and you never activate it, but you sit on it and you do nothing with it, then you're going to die. It will do nothing for you. You will die. But her precedent came out of expectation. What caused her to press through the crowd? Why go to such desperate measures? Because it was unprecedented. Because it had never been done before. She simply had a word. From God And God spoke to me last night When I asked God What would cause her What was so important About that word He said three things that she had He said number number one She had anticipation Of what would happen If she got to Jesus Number two She had preparation because she knew what she was going to have to do. And she began to prepare herself for the task that was set before her. And the third thing, she had an expectation that was rooted in the word from God. We all know the story. And she pressed. She touched the hem of his garment. And the Bible says that immediately. That issue of blood dried up. And she was whole. She was healed and made whole immediately. What doctors couldn't do in 12 years, Jesus did in a momentary touch she didn't even touch his body. All she had to do was just touch. If I could just reach to him. Fingers brushed the hem of his garment because she knew that Malachi said that he would have healing in his hymn. There would be healing that would arise It would be in his hymn. Jesus immediately, he said, who touched me? Who? He began to look at the disciples said, who touched me? And they began to chide Jesus and said, are you kidding me? Is this a joke? Look at all these people. Lord, they're brushing up against you left and right. And you have the audacity to ask, who touched you? everybody's touching you. But Jesus said, no. No, this is, this is something completely different. They're touching me. They have need and they're brushing against me. But they're not receiving their healing. But this is different because somebody touched me and I perceive that virtue flowed out of my body. I perceive that healing flowed through And out of my body. You see, virtue is the power capable of. And it's the ability to produce. He said, power left my body enough power. You see, that day enough power left his body. You want to hear a travesty? Enough power left his body to heal everybody that touched him. That little bit of virtue could have healed everybody. But the travesty is that only one Received her healing that day. Thousands of people touched him. Who were sick. Coming hoping that they would receive healing. But sister Mary. They left the same way. That they came. They left with the same sickness. The same situation. The same. Same uh, travesty in their home. That they had. When they came to receive their healing. One received their healing. But nobody had ever grabbed on to it before. Many came. Many hoped. Many thought, may not be great if today was the day. But nobody was willing to press like she was willing to press. You see, I, think, I find it interesting that on in Scripture, the very next town that Jesus went to, Brother Brandon, the Bible tells us that everybody was healed. That day, one person. The next day, everybody was healed. Why is that? Because one little old woman who was willing to get dirty who was willing to get trampled if that's what it took who was willing to give her life she was at the end of her rope it didn't really matter because if she didn't receive a healing then she would die it was her only hope but because of one woman who was willing to press and who was willing to do what nobody else will do it set a precedent for the next town and everybody received They're healing. All because one woman with an issue said, I don't care. I don't care what I have to do. I don't care if I get killed in the process. I just know that He is the only hope that I have. And I'm going to get to Him no matter what. I have to do is there anybody in this house tonight that has come with the expectation that says I know that there's a healing in this house for me maybe you're sick in body maybe it's not a physical healing that you maybe it's a spiritual healing maybe it's an emotional healing maybe it's it's deep rooted scars and wounds that you received by accident that nobody intended for you to receive but you received him and you're wounded today you have come into the house of God and you're wounded and you're bleeding and you are losing blood at big at big levels and and you're wounded Have expectation. If I could just somehow, if I could just somehow get to Jesus. If I could somehow, if I could somehow, Brother Duggar, if I could touch him. If I could just, if I could just, maybe I don't have to touch him, but maybe I could just get in his shadow. Maybe there's enough power that is in his shadow that can heal me. I want to tell you tonight. I don't know who God sent me here to preach to. I don't know who God kept me up till 4.30 this morning in that office studying, praying, crying and weeping. I don't know who that was for. But I believe that you're in the house today. God has sent me to tell you that there is a precedent that has been set there are others that have gone before you. There are others that have touched him and received their healing. And God, what God is wanting to say to you is that if He did it for them, he can do it for you. If he could heal a little old woman with an issue of blood that was just desperate and had to get to Jesus, if he, if he can heal her, then he can heal you. What is your situation compared? To her situation. Stand with me tonight. You see, expectation without promise is just hype. It's nothing more than hype. But you couple promise with expectation, the miraculous will happen you hear me tonight? If you, if, you, if you get together promise and expectation, then the miraculous will happen. How long has it been since you received that word from the Lord? How long has it been since God said, I'll heal you? How long has it been since God said, I'll, 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 I'll fix that broken relationship? How long has it been Since God has given you a promise and you've carried it in this service, into this church service after service after service. You have a word from the Lord, yes. You have a promise from the Lord, yes. But your problem is you have no expectation. Because a promise without expectation is powerless. But you mix that promise with your expectation. Then on a Sunday night in 2017, we'll mark a day that will live forever ever in your mind as a day that you receive what God has promised you. What is it? Is it healing? Is it deliverance? Is God told you that your family will be saved? Has God told you that your lost children would come back to an old-fashioned altar of repentance? If God spoke it to you and you have expectation that God is going to do it, He will bring it to pass. So who am I speaking to tonight? One sister's already responding. Listen, I shouldn't have to open these altars to you and beg you to come. I know that there are many issues. I know that there are many problems. And I know that there are many promises that are in this place tonight. Who has come expecting God to do it tonight? Who has come expecting that God is going to change your life? That God is going to change your family? That God is going to change your situation? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Stir up that expectation. There's power in that expectation. There's power. You go ahead and link your expectation with your promise. And you stand back and you watch watch what God is getting ready to do in your life. Come on, somebody's already receiving a word. Somebody's already linked their expectation with their promise. Come on, somebody. Step out in faith. Knowing that God is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. I see you do it again. I see you move. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Come on grab that promise in one hand and grab expectation in your other hand and bring them together. God is getting ready to do the miraculous in this house tonight.